1: I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. David Perret, from military to millionaire. He was an active duty Marine, and he'd been in for 13 years, and he was in the service. In 2015, he purchased his first property, a duplex, that he house hacked and flipped. Five years later, he was from a negative net worth to a millionaire status with over 100 rental units. I heard this man speak in Los Angeles at the Orpheum, and he had confidence, he had poise, and he had a no bullshit attitude, which is very much something that I can appreciate. More importantly, he and I and uh, Ryan, we had a great dinner the night previously. And there's something about veterans; we all sort of just find ourselves. We all come together. There's something I don't know if it's like the the gravity or just the way that we stand up, or maybe the fact that we're kind of no BS, but It was a a great dinner, one of many great dinners I'm sure that we're going to have. We had dinner after we spoke as well. And You had a a closing line that I think was epic, and you basically said, apply this information and make success your bitch. (laughs) And that's when I was like, okay, I have to have him on the show. Plus, you're helping so many veterans with everything that you do with your masterminds, with your Facebook group, your book, The No BS Guide to Military Life is incredible. And The Military Millionaire Planner. I mean, if you're active, if you're retired, even if you're not in the military, even if you're not a veteran, this stuff will help you. This stuff has like fundamental financial freedom lessons that you can take to the bank, if you will pardon the pun, but it will literally change your life, the way that you look at all these things. And so he's doing a service that I think more veterans need. And again, I've met him in person, so I know what he's about. He's not some guy that pitched me on we were talking about he literally has something on his story about okay for all you people that are pitching me about basically anything you all are horrible this is not the way to do it whether it be a podcast guest or somebody that wants to help you build your business to this or somebody that wants to do these things it's refreshing to have a person that's actually done it in real time and is more than willing to help others do it and he's doing it all the time so thank you for being here today i know that was a long string on that kite but
2: yeah, that's the whole. That's the whole show, guys. That's all you need. Have a great yep, day. Yep. To... Um, before I open my mouth and ruin this thing, <laughs> what's 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 the old the old quote? Right, you can stay silent and people will think you're a dumbass, or you can open your mouth and confirm it and remove all <laughs> doubt. Exactly. <Yeah. laughs> oh man, well, I appreciate it. That was a really good intro. Thank you very much.
1: Well, I do what I can, and uh, I'll be on your show not too long, so uh, we'll be able to return the favor. And at dinner, we were talking about this this idea that. We go through hardship. You were very, uh, <laughs> very humble about it. You were like, "Yeah, I was. I'm was a marine, and I got blown up like a couple times, you know. But I mean, it wasn't anything like you. I didn't die on the table. I wasn't paralyzed. I'm like, dude, you were deployed. You went out there and did your job. And you're like, yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, I'm okay. I mean, look at me. I'm surviving and I'm thriving in the process. So, tell us a little bit about because of the military. So many times we are very much siloed. We're compartmentalized. We're focused on the deployment train up. We're focused on our team. We're focused on everything that we're trying to do to be able to survive. Back then, when did you start looking at this capacity to have financial freedom? And was millionaire even something that was in your repertoire at that point?
2: (laughs) Maybe a millionaire in debt. Um, (laughs) I, you know, so I joined in 08 and it was 2015. So seven years later, this guy named Tyson was trying to get me into Amway. And you know, I'm like, dude, I ain't got time for that. And he hands me uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I told him I don't read. And so he brought it out on a CD. And he was like, I was a recruiter at the time. So I'm, I'm recruiting for the Marine Corps. I'm driving you know, to high schools all the time. He's like, just listen to this while you drive to schools. I was like, okay. Uh, and by the end of that book, I was like, wow, my life is not set up for this at all. I need to change a whole bunch of crap. I got to buy a house and I need to figure this shit out. And then... You know, I, I read a couple other books. I found Bigger Pockets, and and mm. kind of. I think it was like four months later, maybe. I wish I had a timestamp for that CD, but I think it's like maybe four months later. I bought that duplex. It was like kind of a perfect storm of like my lease is coming up, my motorcycle got totaled, so I can use that as the down payment. Mm. You know, I'm getting married soon, and I'm going to have orders soon, so I won't have to live there too long. Like, you know, whatever. I was like, this is going to be great, and uh, it was. You know, I bought that thing. I sold it this year, actually, and so I had it for six years, seven years, and I had it for seven years. I bought it for like seventy nine eight, and I sold it for one hundred and sixty five, and it cash flowed almost the entire time I owned it. So it's pretty sweet. Um, it's probably one of my better and easier transactions. And so, you know, in, in two thousand fifteen, when I was kind of starting to learn that, you know, the the picture is. I had some money in the thrift savings account and that was pretty much her thrift savings fund. And that was pretty much the the only thing that I had money in. I'd blown everything else on you know, all your typical military things, right? Tattoos, guns, Harley, truck, cars, chicks, booze, you know, maybe some protein supplements, definitely not like steroids or anything while deployed. Uh, yeah, there was no money to the show. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by a bunch of people to help me out and, you know, be able to take some risks that kind of paid off. Military, I think, affords people the opportunity to take some of those financial risks or gambles on themselves because it's like, well, if I fail, I'm going to fall back on this great job that takes care of me. So it was, it's been a fun ride.
1: And then that first taste of success, that's when you got sort of hooked and said, okay, what else can I do? How can I quadruple down on this? What money do I have? And it gave you this kind of fever pitch to be able to get there in a very, very fast pace. The people that are listening right now, there's a lot of veterans that are out there. Maybe they have a DD-214, but they've never bought a house. Mm -hmm. Is there a way, because you and I were discussing at one point, you were talking about, you know, the the duplex is like the move. Like you do that, you get a duplex or a a multi-home, you live in one of those, and then you allow the other ones to cash flow in the process. If they came to you with a DD214 and said, I don't know what to do with this, can I come to you? Can I basically have you walk me through this thing? What would that look like? And then how can you help them?
2: Yeah. So we actually, one of the things that I, I mean, for one, I I would just point them towards a ton of free content. I've got a a YouTube playlist that's all things VA loan, a bunch of other real estate stuff and a, and a basic personal financial, you know, PFS, personal financial something, service member, whatever. Anyway. Oh, forget my acronyms over here. I look at me, I get out of the military and it's it's military personal finance corps, MPF. That's what I was going for. And uh, basically I have a free course that's like an hour long where I give like, this is the presentation I wish that I had gotten when I joined the military and it, it walks through a bunch of those basic, basic things. But all that's free content, you know, to answer your question, as long as you haven't like completely train wrecked your finances, I mean, your credit score doesn't even have to be that great and you have income. So if you have a job or if you're in an affordable market and you're hundred percent P and T disability, you know, you can still pull it off with that and you just, you have to show income that your lender can qualify. So, you know, being in a job for two years or uh, same job field for two years or the VA loan and stuff like that, or disability and stuff like that. As long as you have basic income and your finances are just okay. Yeah, you can use the VA loan zero down, and and you can even get lenders or the agent to cover up to 4% of your closing costs. It's not guaranteed, but you can negotiate that into the deal for like a a lender credit back to you at 4% or whatever the purchase price is to cover all your closing costs and fees. And so you can literally get into a house for zero out of pocket. And as long as you've got those basic finances, and the beautiful thing is if you buy like a fourplex and you rent three of the units – 75 percent of the gross market rent for those units count towards your income. So even if you had not enough income to qualify for the loan, you could probably be brought over to the threshold by that and it's it's a pretty sweet deal. And then you go and you move in somewhere, you know, you got to pay to live somewhere. and if you do that, your tenants are paying most of, if not everything that you would be paying. And now you're like, well hey, I was paying a thousand dollars a month for rent. Now I'm well, I, we'll use my example. I was paying 550 for a two1. Mm-hmm. This was in 2017, or 2015, five fifty for a two one, and I bought that duplex. And including that, that was the apartment. That was just the rent, not including utilities or uh, internet. Including internet and utilities, I was out one seventy five a month once I bought that duplex. So I dropped three hundred seventy five bucks a month off my living expenses, not including the difference on utilities and internet. And if you save that money, I mean, that's five grand a year that you can invest with. That that adds up fairly quickly, uh, you know, because you're already saving some, and then you can do that more than once. And so, when you move out that property is now cash flow, and then you move into another house and you do it again. And uh, it's a great. I love that strategy.
1: And it's it's incredible because, like you said, once you're in that place and you see that it can be done, and you see that you can do it at 100k, 150k, now you can say it's easier to see how I could scale this and be more. Confident to go, maybe at a quarter of a million, half a million, even a million, in the process of going to those next levels.
2: Yeah, my my biggest—I won't say regret, but I wished that I'd got a fourplex for that first one instead of a duplex, and I wished that I'd bought it in a nicer neighborhood and paid more for it because the market went crazy, and I would have been way better off, you know. But it was admittedly it was a little scary. It was a big step. There was no one there yes. to guide me, and. So that's kind of one of the things I try to help people with now because when I when I give that example and I talk about a $79,000 duplex in 2015, inevitably somebody tuned out and they're like, won't work in my market. I would sooner take a $1.5 million fourplex in San Diego any day over a $250,000 fourplex here in Springfield because the math just is extrapolates. And now even if you're breaking completely even on all your expenses – you're paying two or three thousand dollars a month down on your principal. I mean, that's an instant, like, guaranteed twenty-four thousand in equity, you know, net worth every single year. Like, if you buy a million, million and a half house, all you have to do is not lose the house, and you're a millionaire in thirty years. Like, that's it. That's as easy as it gets for a, path, a guaranteed path to wealth. Don't lose the house, and don't buy in a market that's going to go from a million to zero in population, and you're good. <laughs> so, so don't buy in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a couple of places to avoid, but for the most part, like you said, if it's especially if there's a lot of people there, it's there's always going to be people that need that place. I also see a lot of veterans that have this idea that they need to put a certain percent down, you know, 20% down, 10% down, whatever that is. But you made a great point when you were saying that there are disadvantages to doing that. And again, over a 30-year timeline, the amount of money
2: that you're saving
1: really is not that significant, correct?
2: Yeah. So there's a misconception out there that, and don't get me wrong, in a vacuum, having equity is safer than not having equity if the market crashes. We don't live in a vacuum. Is what it is. And so if you have $20,000 and you put $20,000 down on a house, you now have no money in case the water heater breaks or a sewer line explodes or the HVAC goes out and you didn't have you know homeowner's insurance and the roof ends up getting hit by a tree and your insurance store, or or well, I guess they would cover that but like you you know you got to replace this or that like there are all kinds of things i mean those are real world examples i told you before the call i had a house i put $12,000 over budget on plumbing work on this house rented it it's great actually rented for 200 more than i thought it would i was stoked Two and a half weeks later, the sewer line backs up, come to find out the line from the city is destroyed and I'm out, you know, I'm still six months later waiting on the city to approve it. So I've had a vacant house I'm paying a mortgage on for six months Wow. Oh. and I have the money to do it, you know, but if I, if I didn't have the reserves to handle that, which is what happens if you put all your money into a down payment. So it's it outside of that vacuum, it is safer. To go with the zero down VA loan option and have twenty thousand in reserve because stuff is not always going to go perfect. And it, let's say you lose your job, now you have you know twenty thousand dollars to make mortgage payments with. Or there's all kinds of what if variables. Now, if you have forty grand and you want to put twenty in and leave twenty out, okay, you got a reserve like that's great. I would then come to you and say, well, let's look at op- opportunity cost, and that's what we were just talking about. If you twenty grand at even a 7% rate right now extrapolated over 30 years amortization you're paying so much in interest and everybody's worried about that but it's nothing compared to if you put that 20 grand into a long-term index fund and let it compound it would it would win if you put 20,000 down on the mortgage and then pay the mortgage as is and looked at the difference in interest between zero down and 20 grand or you put 20,000 in basically any index fund take VTSAX a total stock market index and you just let it ride for that 30 years I'd bet a paycheck that you'll be probably two or three times further ahead with the index fund than you will on the interest paid. And I mean, if you think about uh, at an average 7%, that money doubles every 10 years. So you're at 20, you're at 40, you're at 80. So by the time you hit 30 years, you'd be coming up on probably $160,000 sitting in that account. If you did nothing else with it, I don't think putting 20 down on that house saves you it doesn't it doesn't pencil it's not saving you 160 in interest it, it might say it'll save you a decent amount but it's not the same
1: so yeah and there's the other part of it is like you said once you get into that place once you're aggressive in other areas of your finance you can be more aggressive as you start to pay these other things down so that that 20,000 becomes a non issue nope. and now you can like you said over a 20 or 30 year if you're able to pay even what is it one one more payment per year that reduces like seven years off oh, yeah. collectively yeah
2: yeah something like that it's it's pretty nuts we're actually looking at doing that right now we're debating whether we're going to take the offer on selling one of our properties a hotel that we own and it's a seller finance offer so it's creative there's a lot of variables but it's 100 grand down and we're looking at the math between if we pocket 50 grand now versus if we put 50 grand extra into a principal payment in just one swoop when he pays us out on the rest of the note by 36 months it's uh I think it's, I think it's like a $19,000 difference that we would, we would pocket. So if we put the 50 grand down now and wait three years, we get 19,000 extra back. So we're just, you know, it's just, well, is that, is that worth it? I don't know. I mean, that's a 40% ROI or 38%, you know, but it's over three years. So it's really only like 12%. So, Hey, do we think we can beat 12% on our own or do we want to just take this guaranteed win? I would probably take the guaranteed win at 12%. If it's at 7%, I'm going to bet on myself. But that's, you know, everyone's got their own threshold for risk.
1: And that's the thing too. Once you have all your finances, again, when you have maybe 15, 20K in this this rainy day fund, it gives you the ability to be more aggressive in these other areas. It truly reminds me of this idea of of strength and reserve, right? If I'm strong physically, I can carry myself in a way that that exudes that. I'm not a victim. I'm not prey. I can also help other people if they're not strong, if they've fallen down, if they need protecting like we did as in the military. The same thing with financing. If I'm financially strong, I can help somebody else if I desire. Or again, I can take these calculated risks in a way that will actually set me up to win. Like you said, betting on ourselves is the way to go. And I think that people constantly think that waiting is a better idea. But when there's chaos, actually hesitating is more dangerous than taking action.
2: Yeah. and. You know, as much as people talk about inflation and why you don't want to just have cash sitting in a checking account or whatever, there are some really powerful opportunities out there if you have a stockpile of cash that you can take advantage of that not everyone can. Uh, I mean, and it's and it sometimes it's really goofy things. It doesn't always take a ton of money. It just takes looking for opportunities, and sometimes it's really big things. So, like on one crazy end of the spectrum, when SVB that bank went down like a year ago or nine months ago. All these companies were going to miss payroll. And I have a buddy who was at a baseball game with a guy who I'm not going to name any companies or anything, but he had $7 million that he needed to make in payroll that week. And he wasn't going to be able to because the bank went down and they were all frozen. And this, that, and the other. He's like, I can't afford to let my employees not get paid over this. Like, we'll figure it all out. I'll be fine in the back end. He paid 20% return for somebody to lend him the $7 million on Friday and he repaid it the next Wednesday. So this guy made $1.4 million off having seven million sitting in the bank. On the other side of the spectrum, I just paid off a $50,000 line of credit, and my understanding from the bank, which I spoke to the wrong person, was, hey, you have to reset your maturity date, pay the $50,000 down, and then you can take it back out the next day. What they meant was pay it down, Wait for us to redo the maturity date on your loan, and then you can pay it back out. So it's like a two-week spread. Not the end of the world, except that we were going to tax lien auctions on Monday, and I'm 50%. So there's three of us: two are financing, one is the operator. And so me and the other guy were bringing 35 grand. And I called him. I was like, "Hey, uh, you bank at the same place I do. You know this is going to happen. You know I'm I'm good for it. Whatever. If you lend me 35 thousand dollars on." Thursday. Then next Friday, I'll get you back with thirty six. You know, just a quick, easy boom boom. And of course, the bank delayed getting it back to me, so they might not have it back to me tomorrow. So I'm going to pay him half tomorrow and then half next week. But he's still he's making a thousand bucks off two weeks of lending me money for deals that we're buying together. So you know, it's kind of one of those like if I fail to pay you back, you can just kick me out of the LLC and take all the equity. And I'd rather you let me pay you back than that. So because the tax liens are great. So.
1: And, and as entrepreneurs, we, these things happen all the time. Like you said, Hey, yeah. you know, I'm doing this. Hey, I'm doing that, blah, 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 blah. Again, when, when we get to know each other, it's not a big deal because we know that that's going to come back. And what does it do? It, it breeds trust. It breeds reciprocity. It, it breeds that reciprocation. And that's how we get to those next, that next conversation, that next person, that next opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Those things come together. So in the military, We've seen a lot of people that are entrepreneurs now that were in the military. And there's not always, there's some things in the military that are not always fantastic that we want to take with us. Can you give me examples of things that you were able to bring from the Marines that are actually serving you now as a civilian in this capacity as an entrepreneur and as a mentor and as a financial
2: freedom? I mean, I mean, just aside from looking scary and not getting stabbed when I'm in the dark alleys. <laughs> I mean, that that uh, definitely
1: helps. That definitely
2: helps. <laughs> but let's be honest: there's some people that if they see us
1: that look like that, like it, it's almost intimidating to them. So we have to be able to, just like you and I, like we try to be gregarious, we try to be outgoing. If I if my face is just like blank, I look like I'm un, you know going to go in and murk everybody. But I have to be <laughs> engaging. I have to be animated, and I give those people. Plus, what else, right? If I'm if I look like the typical you know, operator, I've got on Oaks and I've got on a hat and I've got on a Glock t-shirt and I walk into a room and I'm like mad dogging everybody, anybody that has any kind of training at all is going to point me out. And if something is going to happen, I'm the first guy that yep. coming for, which th- there is merit to that as well. Let's be real, right? Because it'll protect the other people and maybe give them a chance to get out. But if I come in and I'm smiling or I'm looking around and I'm saying hi to everybody, I can still look at my AO, but I can do it in a very hiding and plain sight kind of manner I can make people feel good. Uh, And what else? If you're going out to a restaurant or going to places that you're always going around to, it makes people more comfortable with you there. You get better service. You get better opportunities as well. So in my opinion, it's a great way to have situational awareness that is not as overt as looking at people like where's the threat, where are their hands, Mm -hmm. Who's, who's most likely to cause a problem
2: the same reason you know what's the what's the old the old running joke right you can tell who the vet is at the table by which way the wall or whoever's got their back to the wall the back to the wall exactly like that guy must be the veteran or first responder you know um yeah yeah i mean you're, you're spot on with that I, to answer your question <laughs> yeah it's funny i've got i've got kind of a I guess a a two-way, three-way, you know, discipline and grit, right? That's the one that everyone leans into. They're like, oh yeah, he's disciplined and he's not going to quit. Like, okay, that's great. Uh, That's kind of a no-brainer answer, I think, from the military. You know, inconsistency, right? All those things are great. The one that I kind of laugh about that I tell people all the time is my real answer and people laugh and it is funny, but it's the hurry up and wait idea, right? So like when you first start in the military, you know, we all play this hurry up and wake game. There's so much bullshit that goes on in the military where it's like, oh, I have to be at the range at five. So I should be at the armory at four. But then this angry guy told me I need to be there at three. So now I'm just going to work an extra two hours to sit around with my thumb up my butt waiting on this day to start. Oh, and I've got duty on Saturday. So now I'm working 24 extra hours and I'm not getting paid for it. So you do all this extra crap for no money. Well. That's basically entrepreneurship, except you're doing it for yourself. So when you start a business, you've got this, what I call BMW phase, below minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And you, you're you not getting paid right off the bat. I mean, maybe in some businesses, but for the vast majority, like I was in the red the first year that I ran my platform and, you know, and it works, but you've got to be able to withstand that. And service members, investors, as goofy as it sounds, are so used to working ridiculous hours without extra pay that when it gets into doing it for yourself, you're like, Hey, at least I'm my own boss or at least I'm whatever. And it doesn't throw them off, I don't think, nearly as much as somebody who's used to if I put in one hour, I get fifteen dollars. if I put in two hours, I get thirty dollars. and oh, they want me there for ten hours of overtime. Now I get twenty dollars or whatever that math is twenty two five for every hour I work, you know, and vets are like, oh, I mean, I could be sitting on duty right now, so this is better.
1: Yeah, I could be outside freezing my ass off, waiting to to go through this chalk because these people can't get their act together. It's like, come on, yeah, man, get squared away. I, I also like that because it comes back to that notion that um there's so many people that will say, Oh, you know, I don't, I'm not feeling it, or I'm tired. And it's like I think you and I and Ryan were talking about it was like that is like your normal operating condition when you're in the military. You're dehydrated, you're you're automatically fatigued, you you're automatically sleeped up, you're automatically may or may not have had food recently. It doesn't matter because you still have to execute. And the enemy doesn't care if you feel like coming out and playing. And the objective is not going to get there on its own. And oftentimes the objective, the goal post move, there's a secondary objective where there's a target of opportunity, high value target, whatever happens. And now all of a sudden we're in this place where what I used to think was the plan, we let go of it. I think it was the Marines that had the 70% plan. Is that correct? The what plan? The 70% plan where it's like they make the 70% of idea. My my squad leader was the uh, former marine. He was like, 70 percent, Anderson. That's all I need because the last thirty percent is going to change anyway. Like we're going to be right here. We're going to be told
2: this is it. You have to be there. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> you have to be wherever this thing is. At the wherever time this thing you- is,
1: and you guys <laughs> yeah. are behind. So hurry your ass. Yeah. And it's or the target that you're supposed to have, and now the weather changes, or the intel that you got twelve hours ago is now obsolete because now they're reinforcing. You're like oh, we don't have enough men or munitions to do this thing. And it's like, so what do we do? Stand by. So you're hurry up and waiting. Oh, and you're also pulling security in the process. So oh yeah, there's always always security. They always got to do that. So there's always like, I, I think that's a great, that's a great point. I think people overlook that. And then if you and I go to a government agency, if we go to the DMV, if we go anywhere that's going to be ineffective, ineffectual, inefficient, we just take that as what can I do about it? Like I can get up and bitch and moan. These people hate their jobs. These people don't want to be doing that either. They don't like the inefficiency that they're being forced to march to. So we give them compassion. We give them empathy and we can kind of easily laugh it off, which is sort of the reason why veterans have that, uh, that dark gallows hum- humor <laughs> at times.
2: Do you watch, do you watch vet TV at all? <laughs> Donnie O'Malley's a, I wouldn't necessarily say a friend, but he's, like best friends of one of my best friends, and we've hung out a few times, and you know, talk dark humor. That guy's stuff is so messed up, and it is so funny. And it's so you like lot, yeah. you're like sitting at home watching it, and you're like, "Man, I even feel cringy, what? Like <laughs> laughing at this?" But it's so good. <laughs> and
1: like you said, it's so true. And when you're out there, like th- that's what you have to do. Like you're going to be in facing so much adversity. It, if you can't find humor in it, if you can't make fun of it, you know, if you don't, if you're not laughing, you're crying sometimes. So. It gives us that opportunity. I agree. And then we were also talking about how adversity is something that can make us stronger or it can push us the other direction. And sometimes it just depends on when it hits us, right? Like if we're ambushed by it, we're not ready for it. Man, it's devastating. But there's other times when if we can pivot and we can say, okay, this is hard now. Like it, it absolutely is. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. But in that moment, if we can say, you know what? It is but I'm going to have to level up. I'm going to have to get over this thing because I don't have any other choice. Yeah. People that I see that are succeeding, especially as entrepreneurs, they usually have a direct correlation to how much of that, that they can take, how much they can run through their system and then turn it into energy. Can you tell us about an adversity that you faced any time in your life that at the time you were like, man, I don't know if I can get through this thing, but on the other side, you were like, wow. I didn't even realize I had that in me, and now that becomes your normal operating level. Yeah,
2: there's there's enough there's enough punches out there to talk <laughs> about, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could for for a lot of people, you could probably just end with, "Yeah, I went to boot camp," but um, you know, that's a mental mental one, and then you got deployments. That's a mental one, but the one that probably fits most into what we're talking about is I bought a property on a lease option. I bit off more than I could chew tr- in twenty. 18, I think, is when we officially took over the lease option. And, I mean, my attorney said I'm not allowed to use the word scam, so I clearly don't think it was a scam. That's, I think, a a safe way to word that. And uh, basically, this guy was fluffing up how great the property was to take a lease option fee of 150 k and then it wasn't that good. And he kind of knew that people would just let him walk with their lease option fee. Uh, He'd done it three or four times that I have not confirmed because they didn't testify in court because we didn't need them to. And, you know, we went into a four year lawsuit over this stupid down payment. Ultimately ended up winning, got everything back uh, plus interest and (laughs) in a weird twist of events, he still lost the building, but that's a whole nother story. Um, But I mean, you know, you're talking, this is like two years. Two and a half years into my journey with real estate. And here I am as a guy making 40,000, still enlisted in the Marine Corps. At the time, I'm a staff sergeant. So maybe 50,000, you know, you factor in benefits, it's 100, 120, yeah, but yeah, you can't yeah. spend your benefits. Right. So, and I'm in a lawsuit on a property that's 2.725 million. And we put 150K down, me and a partner. So I put 50, he put a hundo. And I'm running the whole lawsuit because he wants to be a silent partner. He doesn't want the other guy to know he's there because he's a high income earner. And oh, uh, wow, I mean, I got to learn a ton enough that there's a full like hour and fifteen hour and twenty minute uh, podcast episode on Bigger Pockets, uh, seven thirty four, I think, where the entire show is just talking about that deal. And it was just crazy some of the stuff that went down in that. But I'm the whole time I was still investing. I mean, that was 2018. We got done in. Late 22, I got the money back, and in that time, I probably bought, uh, I held probably 80 or 90 doors, and then I've probably flipped or wholesaled another 40 or 50 properties. It was just like, well, I got to do something active, wholesaling and flipping and trying to make that quick return to build the cash back up to keep this ball moving while all this crap is going on. But yeah, now I'm uniquely positioned uh, from that and a couple other small things to understand ins and outs of the legal world and have a lot more confidence and being like, no, that's wrong. And we're not going to play that game. Here's my attorney. We're going to write the letter. Uh, not that I want to be litigious, but you know, there was a point in time where my like super friendly personality would have just rolled over and been like, ah, you know, I don't want to whatever. But now it's like, now, not only do I understand the legal system and I've played the three days in court and the depositions and the whatever, but I also know like if my gut says I'm right to just lean into that because that was basically what that was the most important thing I took out of that other than like documenting everything and whatever was like this guy is trying to convince you he's basically gaslighting you on this deal and trying to convince you that you're wrong and this and that and you're green around the ears and he you know blah 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 blah. but like no man like this is not the building we bought you sold me a Corvette and handed me the keys to a Civic we're going to court and. You know, nobody else had sued him of the three or four non confirmed quote unquote uh, cases. And the guy after me, who I definitely didn't have an hour long phone call with trying to get to show up in court, um, none of them sued him. And we won outright everything, plus 7% interest over the time. So pretty, pretty sweet. And there's something about having, and like you said, you don't
1: have to be litigious, but you do have to be able to protect yourself. And I guarantee that guy probably had a friend that was a lawyer. So like you said, if it was just you going by yourself as a little guy, you're like, "Um, I was led to believe. And then he has lawyer buddy uses like, you know, sends you something. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm too afraid to do it. But here's the thing that happens. If you're working with somebody that has a lawyer and you have a lawyer, it automatically levels the playing field. There's something about lawyers. There's like this, almost like Marines, there's like this brotherhood where they both understand, hey, we're both doing this. You you may think that you have a bulldog lawyer, but when you have somebody there and they're both like, listen, okay, this happened, this happened, we're here, we're willing to meet you in the middle, or we're willing to do this, we just don't want to have it it to go to court or whatever. There is something powerful about having that on your side, as opposed to feeling like you're getting screwed in, like you said. Obviously, people before that did not have the wherewithal or, frankly, the intelligence to get in front of it the way you have. So... We have to do those things and we have to walk in this direction sometimes, even when we don't know exactly where it is. Because if we don't, we are going to just be stationary. We are going to be stagnant and we're going to continue to get victimized in the process.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And there's something, something really powerful about knowing in your gut, like, I was right and I've made, I got all my money back. So now when I go into business, I'm like, all right, like, I've actually had two or three other instances come up. Uh, throughout time, I think it's just na- nature of the beast, right? The more you do, the more people yes. are going to want to yes. take. Uh, and I'm, you know, three for three or four for four with another incident pending. Uh, I'm not going to end up. This one's not going to be a, a win. This one's mm-hmm. going to be like a the guy like completely ghosted the world and owes me seventy thousand dollars in commissions. And uh, basically, we've what we did was we ran the math on, hey, if we file a lawsuit, we know this guy's just. Probably not, I don't even think he's in the country, so like we're not winning. We're not even going to get get to court. But if we get a default judgment because he no shows, mm-hmm. I can write that off in taxes a year later if I don't record it. So I'm like talking to my attorney. He's like, it'll probably be ten or fifteen thousand dollars. So as long as you think you can get ten or fifteen thousand dollars more out of a seventy grand judgment, then it's it's a win. And I'm like, well, math and public says seventy divided by thirty three percent. Yep, yep, that's still a win. So it's a headache, but. You know, this is one of those weird ones where it's like, it's actually not a headache because nothing's going to happen. So we literally sent a letter, filed some crap, and we're waiting. And it's been four months now and not a word. So we're like, all right, it's going to go exactly as we thought, I guess. Yep.
1: And but it comes back to that idea of, again, having strength and reserve. You, you went through that hardship. You went through that adversity. And now you're stronger for it. So now you're emboldened. And now you can smell it from a mile away. And now something doesn't feel right. It's like, let's let's, let's clarify this. Let's get everything on the table here. Like, let's get it on paper because I don't think people understand there's like, a, it's a legal, you know, it's a written agreement, but man, it's actually a written disagreement because the only time we're going to look at this thing is if we disagree financially about what's going on, what the deal's doing. And that's what you're doing to kind of protect yourself. And like you said, when you have a good lawyer, when you have somebody that actually has your back and you know that you have that in, you know, that strength in in reserve, so to speak, it gives you the capacity to lean in. It gives you the capacity to not be afraid to step boldly forward. And then any other deal that you have that is, because we're, like you said, we're always looking, we're always kind of got our our head on a swivel. And then as you're going through it and you're like, oh, okay, I, this is not nearly as, as laborious as the last one was. I don't have to fight tooth and nail for this. I don't have to be as concerned all the time and so again that experience and like you said doing what you've done as many times as you have uniquely qualified to uh to speak on that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those skills uh, it's like having, it's like having a purple heart, right? You don't want it, but it's it's got some benefits. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a great skill set to have as far as the uh all the legal crap and it's a really powerful thing to have confidence in all that, but it's not a skill set that you ever want to have to pull out of it again. <laughs> Yeah, it's a
1: pain and discomfort of the best teachers. But uh, man, it's a hard lesson sometimes in the process. Yeah. First of all, where can we get your book? Where can we learn more about that? And then tell us about your mastermind that you have. Tell us about your groups. Tell us about what you do and how we can learn more about going from the military to millionaire. Or again, even you said even people that are not best can join your groups, correct? Oh, yeah.
2: Absolutely. No, well, I normally this is where I like pull it out of my drawer and hold up my book, but you've now done that for everybody. So I appreciate you saving me, you know, five seconds of my life. There you go. And then I can waste it rambling about how <laughs> I didn't have to do that. Uh, <laughs> I have this really fun link that I created about six months ago for a big podcast I went on. And the link is thebestpodcastguest.com. And so if you go to the bestpodcastguest.com, which is super, you know, rememberable, which is why it's, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I can't believe that's open. <laughs> and uh, so that will basically redirect you to a, a landing page that uh, anybody can go to and download a free PDF copy of my book. And then it's got, you know, some links to some of the other crap we do. Uh, main piece on that, though, is all the socials. So that's got the YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, Instagram and Twitter and all the stuff linked. Uh, The one that I would say anybody and everyone should join, ironically, is the one that I'm hacked from right now, but it's Facebook. Uh, We have a Facebook group that has 62, 65,000 people in it right now. And it's got just, well, a wealth of knowledge, but a wealth of, you know, people in it that answer questions. And I do a well, except for with the exception of the last month when I haven't had access to Facebook, uh, I do a really good job of keeping it as low on the spam chart as I can. I block first, ask questions later. Yeah. And so it's a really, really, really well cultivated group with like 15 mods or moderators that all do the same thing. And so uh, that's a, a wealth of knowledge. And yeah, I mean, 80, 90% of what we talk about is 100% applicable to, and that's some, uh, some, freaking uh i'm drawing a blank on the name of the movie you know what i'm anchorman math right there exactly Um, it works
0: 80 percent of the time (laughs) yeah yeah
2: but what i mean by that is uh if we're talking about the thrift savings plan that particular plan does not necessarily correlate to a civilian but replace that with any other 401k which does and ta-da so the 80 percent Hundred percent, right? It works. Same strategy, different vehicle. Uh, you take the VA loan, and the FHA loan works. So there's a there's a there's a way to do everything we talk about, whether you're military or not. The only thing that I have that's actually like barred the gates for only service members and vets, not even military spouses, is my mastermind, the War Room, which ironically I'm wearing the shirt for. Um, I'm trying to slowly replace more of my wardrobe with branded stuff. And I hear you. The, yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to say, <laughs> act, act, and Um And so, the war room is essentially just a group of uh, it's currently like two hundred and thirty people, and that are all service members and vets that are, you know, they're serious about this. So, we do an even better job cultivating that group. It's still very affordable as far as masterminds go. I pay. The annual fee for the membership I pay monthly to be in another mastermind. so <laughs> so uh, you know, but the the group is just full of people who are well, above anything else, they're super helpful. you know there's a somebody in every niche of investing in that group and they are all willing to help. you know you can add a the drop of a hat. somebody could be like, hey, I'm looking to get into we'll use a really weird one truck parking lots like buying parking lots that you park semis on cool mike bell in the group is crushing it with that and i guarantee you if i make an intro he'll sit down and talk to you and tell you how to do it um and he's not getting paid for that it's just everybody in the group helps each other it's a super 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 cool veteran community uh so it's just a group for like-minded service members and vets who want to you know achieve financial freedom that's pretty much the gist of everything i think and what's your podcast called the Military Millionaire Podcast. I like that. And I use my sultry voice on that. He, he uses the FM DJ voice. <laughs> no. Uh, that guy. You know, he's the only person who's ever tried to charge me for speaking to my mastermind. What? I, I take that back. Mike Michalowicz wants five grand to come present. Okay. That's not even that unreasonable. I'll come present for free. Don't even worry about it. Okay. I absolutely. We'll let you. And uh, those are the only two people who've ever asked me for a fee and he wanted 40 grand for a 1-hour presentation. I was like, mm, I like your book. I think we'll just talk about it for free. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, no thanks. <laughs>
1: there are some interesting people out there that I've been in the speaking industry for a while and it's like interesting how the pay to play component is there even with podcasts, right? Like somebody uh, again, you and I get pitched people that are podcast concierges <laughs> that are trying to get their people in. So for those of you that aren't aware they'll get a person and they'll charge them money and they'll say, hey, we'll get you on all these podcasts. And then they'll spam people like you and I that are in their demographic and they'll send us this person who, they're great people, I'm certain, but they may not have the the qualifications to kind of be in, in the places that yeah. they are. And then that concierge gets paid. But meanwhile, you and I still pay everything we do every month All the people that we have, all of the services that we have to have to maintain it. So to to podcasters, it's sort of a slap in the face. It's disrespectful because they're making money off of our name, what we're doing. They're asking them to essentially do a favor. And then I've actually had people that said, oh, I'll get you on somebody's show. And then those people, when you connect to them, they're like, yeah, it's X amount of dollars to be on. And I'm like, I've never paid to be on a show. I've never paid anybody to be on my show. And I'm just not going to it i'm sorry yeah. this is not I, I want people on the show that i trust and i respect that i know are going to actually help people out and like you said i've had big people on but i didn't All i the the only thing that it cost me was sweat equity to continue following up with those people and i'll follow up with somebody i followed up with robert green for a year before i was able to get him on the show followed up with oh. even presso for a year before i got him on but it was because again the tenacity i'm not going to give up put it on there and get it get it together. So those are great authors too. Like Stephen Pressfield's work it, that's wild at heart, right? The War of Art. War of Art. That's right. Right. The other Pressfield is wild well, uh wild at heart. Yeah. And like having Stephen Pressfield's yeah, having Stephen Pressfield write you a letter. Like uh this is the book that I thought about when I was injured. Because ah. it talks about resistance with a capital R. And it's like what I was facing was resistance, but man, it was like it like killed me. It was like trying to take my my life from me so it felt more than resistance and that's why i capitalized adversity because it's like the same thing so he's been on the show a couple of times i actually had the honor of having lunch with him when i was in la uh two times ago so again awesome real connection with real people that's why we do it yeah and that's why we're having this conversation that's why you're here today and that's why your mission is changing the lives of of so many people right now as well
2: yeah i agree yeah those podcast concierges have maybe one of the few guests that I've ever had from them has been worthwhile. They don't ever really match up with what you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And I understand everybody's trying to make a buck, but there's other ways to do it. And again, from a podcaster standpoint, like that, that just doesn't make any sense. You know, if they're making money and we're doing the work, then why, why are we doing that? So, but yeah, listen, I know you've got a million things going on. I respect everything you're working on. Um, I look forward to being on your show as well. And uh, tell us one more time, give us the links, give us everything. Cause
2: I, I talked in between there and I want to make sure i <laughs> The best podcast guest.com will get you to anything and everything you want to know about me, other than what size my shirts are. And he's a
1: medium, by the way, oh. for those of you that want to know.
2: Extra <laughs> <There's> medium. <such laughs> <smedium. Yeah, there's laughs>
1: definitely a medium over here. Extra medium. I like medium fat. Well, I, I don't work <laughs> out, but I just wear smaller shirts, so it makes me look you know more about that's the goal
2: that's the strategy that's
1: the strategy yeah you got to work on that so it's all good (laughs) all right Uh, thank you so much for being here and uh i'll talk to you soon
2: i appreciate you brother appreciate you
0: thank you for listening to this episode of octa nonverba if this message resonates with you please share it out with others on social media hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts to learn more please go to marcus aurelius anderson.com Join his Okta non-verba inner circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.